0: Alrighty, Grace Church, Medina East Campus, 11 o'clock service. How you guys doing today? <laughs> Woo! Beautiful people. So my name is Dan, and I lead uh, student ministries here at the Medina East Campus. So student ministries encompasses everyone from 6th through 12th grade. So if you or somebody you know is in that range, please come uh, find me after service. I'd love to get a chance to talk to you about what student ministries is all about, how we uh, love to connect with the students. So we're in a series called uh, Uncomfortable, all right? And Uncomfortable is actually a part uh, of a bigger kind of three-part sort of mega, mega series. We're in week five right now, and, and we really think it's important that you kind of get caught up. We sort of are unfolding this series in, in sort of like waves and in sections, and so we really want you to be able to get connected to the whole, to the whole thing. And so if you've missed any part of, of the series, you can go ahead, uh, like Steve mentioned earlier, and get on Medina East. Uh, dot graceohio.org. You can find our teachings that way. Or uh, you can download the Grace Church app. So we have an app in the app store, Grace Church 30 and 30. It's a really cool resource. We have a Bible built into that app and you can find uh, all the teachings not only uh, for this campus but also for other campuses. Kind of keep, keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening. Uh, in, in the world of Grace Church. And you can also uh, find our podcast on, on the podcast thing. It's uh, Grace Church of Greater Akron. You can find the Medina East Campus podcast there. However you want to want to get connected to, to just uh, stay engaged. If you've missed any, we really recommend that you that you get down on those resources. They're for free and they're for you. And so we just really hope that you uh, take the opportunity to get hooked up with those bad boys. And, and again, like, like Steve said, if it's if it's your first time out here, man, we count it such an honor and a privilege that you would uh, take time out of your schedule to come hang out, check us out, and we just really genuinely hope that you feel welcome, because you are welcome, and we're, we're glad that you're here. So we're glad you're here, and like I said, uh, uncomfortable. We've been kind of uh, looking at one uh, sort of statement that is kind of unifying this big, long series that we're going to be in, and the statement goes a little something like this. It says, when the people of God become uncomfortable for the things of God, it unleashes the power of God. And we join the unstoppable movement of God. This is a pretty, obviously, a pretty powerful uh, statement. And really, what this statement is intended to do is a couple things. One, in a kind of a clear way, sort of distills and articulates what it really means to be a genuine and dedicated follower of Jesus. And we know, you know, obviously in a room of this size, there are probably some people who are, are just investigating the, the whole Jesus thing. You're maybe not sure exactly where you stand, and that's totally cool. We're glad that you're here, and, and we're glad that you would be willing to, to make yourself uncomfortable enough to come into a place like this and engage. So we hope that you feel uh, welcome. Uh, but, but, but really, what this statement does is it, again, it distills and, and kind of articulates for us what a real, genuine uh, experience of following Jesus looks like. Right? And we here at the Medina East Campus at Grace Church, we would say that following Jesus isn't just um, kind of a participation in like a social club, or, or just uh, kind of affirming some kind of vague theological concept. No, f- following Jesus is a, is a whole life, and it, and it envelops every part of, of who you are and what you're about, and, and it's something significant. When you put your faith in Christ, your whole paradigm shifts, and you, be, you become a, a part of a family. You, you get involved in what is happening uh, in, in the kind of larger narrative of what God is trying to do. And so that... Uh, obviously is why this, this statement is the way that it is. When the people of God, this whole lifestyle, this whole paradigm become uncomfortable, when we put our faith in Christ and become uncomfortable for the things of God, it unleashes the power of God and we join the unstoppable movement of God. <laughs> Urgh, intense, intense. <laughs> like a fire at the circus. intense. All right, okay. I'm going to bask in that for a minute. And it's intense for good reason, all right? It's intense for for good reason because, again, we here at Medina East, we genuinely believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he is himself the son of God and that he has uh, an awesome plan and a purpose for your life. We don't just think that's like some kind of cliche, but we genuinely believe that it's true. And that a life dedicated to following him, a life being willing to follow him into the uncomfortable avenues and areas of life actually results in our, in our greatest joy. A life of joy occurs when we just totally allow Jesus to guide us and, and, and take us into the uncomfortable places. And I think Pastor Tony actually summarizes in a really beautiful way that, the, that in, a, in a very deep and significant way, the life of a follower of Jesus is... is uh, is shown forth in joy. When he says this, uh, Pastor Tony said, "There there is no greater joy, there is no greater fulfillment in this life than being used by Almighty God as a conduit of his love and his grace in the lives of other people. And I'm just telling you, God wants that for you. He wants that for you. He wants to do some stuff in you. And he wants to use you. God wants to work through you to do ministry, to serve as a conduit of his love and his grace into the world in which we live. And I think that's such a powerful statement because, really, to, to think that it is possible for real that I could actually be a participant in, the, in, the, in, in, in showing love to, a, to the world, that, that I could be used by God, and that there would be real, genuine, deep, and abiding joy and that the deepest longings of my heart could be satisfied to the extent that I gaze at Jesus and allow his truth and his beauty and his love to flow through me into the lives of other people. Man, that is significant and intense and a big deal, and it's worth getting a little bit uh, uncomfortable uh, for for those things. It's a big deal. And so in this series, I think we're in week five, and previously what we've gotten into is we've looked at different uh, aspects or kind of avenues where this uh, uncomfortable uh, thing happens, and so we've looked at the uncomfortable life, Again, that we kind of started just by saying that this uh, sort of envelops every different part of the way that we live and that we're called to a completely different uh, paradigm. We live in a culture and in a society that really values being comfortable and, and finding things as easy and convenient as possible. Everything is the quickest right now, easy, comfortable. That's the goal of my life. And what we've said is actually there's something even deeper. It's about becoming uncomfortable to participate in the things that God wants to do. And that, that is uh, shown forth in every aspect of my life. And then we, we talked about uncomfortable family. The fact that if I put my faith in Christ, I get adopted into this uh, family. And, and, and part of being in a family is that you get into, you get into the good things and, and the affection and the love and the participation. But you also get into the kind of nitty-gritty details of other people's lives. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. And so as a family of Christ, as, as the body of Christ, we're so involved that we, that we get into the, the rough and the, and the kind of nitty-gritty parts of, of what it really means to, to be alive and to walk this earth. And we looked at uncomfortable equipping how uh, every follower of Jesus is called to learn and to grow and to be uh, uh, given the equipping that they need to, 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 to do the work of, of ministry, to, to be a source of, of love and to be an agent of reconciliation uh, in, in the world. And, of course, that's, that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to, to recognize, wow, I need to grow and I need to learn and I need to be equipped. But that's what we're called to. We're called to uncomfortable equipping. And last week, uh, Tony talked about uncomfortable building, the fact that we, in our various ways, all constitute a, a whole, that we are all each individually members of this bigger building, a, a spiritual temple that God is building up and that we are interdependent, we're interconnected and interdependent upon one another and that one, if, if one part of the building is messed up, it affects the other parts and we're all related to each other and, and it's uncomfortable because there's this need to, to defer to the other people and, and to show love and to, and to fulfill the functions that we've been created to fulfill. But it's also very beautiful because ultimately we show forth uh, Jesus in a living temple. We are an an uncomfortable building. And so today we're going to continue the conversation. And and I'm going to talk about uncomfortable hospitality. Uncomfortable hospitality. What it means to follow Jesus when when the people of God become uncomfortable for the things of God. It unleashes the power of God. And we uh, join the unstoppable movement of God. And we're going to look at that specifically as it pertains uh, to hospitality. So if you would... Uh, just go ahead and turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to get out your Bible or open up your app or however you want to do that. Get to Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Uh, and and if, you don't, if you don't have a Bible, like you just straight up don't have one or you know, maybe you forgot one, you can actually grab one of those black Bibles uh, in front of you or in the seats beneath you and you can find Ephesians chapter 2 uh, on page 815. And we say this every week. It is a joy and a privilege to say that if you don't own a Bible, uh, we would just love for you to take that, that black Bible and make it a gift from us to you. We think it's really super-duper important that you have one. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. And it has incredible truth for you uh, even uh, today. So if you don't have a Bible or if you don't have like a modern translation of a Bible, just take, take one of ours in and make it a gift from us to you, all right? So we're gonna be there in just a few minutes in Ephesians chapter two, put your finger there, but right, right now I'm just gonna tell you a real quick story about, uh, about me, all right? So here, here it is, I'm kind of a all cards on the table kind of a dude, I'm not good with secrets, so here's the truth of me. I'm 33 years old, 33 years old, which means that I was born in 1985, okay? A little quick math, if I was born in 1985, that, that means that in 1995, 1995, I was 10 years old, okay, 10 years old in 1995, and I think we all know that there were some pretty sweet things happening in 1995, most notably Kmart, it was a pretty hot place to shop, can I get, any Kmart people in here? I love Blue Light Special, <laughs> that's it, right, Kmart was a sweet place to shop, another big thing... Another, another big thing that was happening in 95 was the Super Nintendo entertainment system was a hot item. We all know. All right, and so this is what would happen. 10 years old, 1995, I was as obsessed with Super Nintendo as a 10-year-old in 95 that my son, Scott, who is 10 years old, is currently obsessed with Fortnite, which is like Laughable that anybody could be that obsessed with anything. But when I see him and his obsession with Fortnite, I just am looking into the past and seeing myself as a ten-year-old obsessed with Donkey Kong and Super Mario. So what would happen in '95 is me and my dad and my older brother would go to Kmart every couple of uh, weeks because my brother had this like contact prescription to get to get filled, and Kmart, you know, had they, they had the uh, the optical department there, and so we would make a special trip every couple of weeks out to Kmart. And and as soon as I heard Kmart, you know, Kmart would sell Super Nintendos. And so I would think to myself, oh my gosh, Kmart? Can I make my way to the electronics department to gaze upon the beauty that is Super Nintendo? All right, so we would get there to to Kmart. I would somehow work some kind of magic and and make my way over to the electronics department. And and really, what what I thought as a 10-year-old obsessed obsessed with Super Nintendo was that Super Nintendo represents all of the jo- all of the joy and the beauty that the life that I am living has to offer right everything beautiful and good and true and meaningful in my life is encapsulated in a little blue, uh, like you know gray plastic box so i would wa- i would head my I head my way over to the uh, to the electronics department and gaze upon you know the promised land there i am looking at it I- i'm going to make it to this thing in fact i I had a very vivid image in my mind of the thing. I was gonna to get to this sort of shrine, this mecca. And here it is. Does anybody remember these? The Super Nintendo display kiosk, all right? That was my plan. And so I'm you know, 10 years old, walking toward the, uh, the electronics department, but here's the problem, okay? As I'm, as I'm approaching, oh man, my joy is gonna be complete. I see this group. I'm 10 years old. I see this group of like, 15 or 16-year-olds, the coolest, this, their, their status was beyond uh, even, you know, beyond what I could even imagine, right? They probably had driver's licenses. It's 1995. They all looked like Kurt Cobain. They had blue slushies and the dangling wallet chains like, yeah, yeah, whatever, long hair. I mean, me, me. All good. They knew all the secret portals or whatever, and so I'm, I'm this little kid, right, 10 years old, and I'm here on the outside as I approach, and I'm like, oh no, my whole source of joy, I'm not gonna be able to access the beauty, the truth, the goodness, because I'm a little kid, I'm 10 years old, I can't access, right? And so this, this group of uh, four or five teenage kids, right, 15 or 16 years old, they were there, kind of huddled around this thing as a unit, as a kind of an insider crew, right, all playing their game, and I'm standing there on the outside, and in that moment, as a 10-year-old, really, I was faced with this incredible fear, like actually, a real, genuine, deep fear. I'm not going to be able to access the good and the beautiful things that this life has to offer, right? And I stood there for a minute, kind of on the outside, and then something, something so awesome happened. Uh, in that moment, I was 10 years old in Kmart, kind of the, the, lead, the lead dog, right? Probably the oldest, the coolest kid, the most, you know, the baggiest jeans, looked over at me and recognized that I was there on the outside. And even though he had the highest status ever as the coolest kid, as the most, you know, just the most grunge rock, cool dude ever, he, he chose intentionally to kind of abandon that, that, um, that strength that he had or, or abandon that, um, that status that he had and turn over to me, recognize that I was on the outside, and he invited me in. He looked over at me and he said, hey, do you want to turn? Do you want to turn here on the Super Nintendo? Right, Very simple, a, a very simple move. But man, for me, in that moment, it was such a, a profound experience of, of, of joy and, and excitement because wow, I as a 10-year-old had been given access to this beautiful thing because of the conscious decision of somebody whose status was greater than mine to, for him to turn and to like, kind of humble himself and, and be willing to interact with me who had no real right to, to be a part of his crew, to be a part of his posse. But he made that decision. Uh, just out of the kindness and out of the grace in his heart, right? And, and the reason why I tell that story is because I think, really, in that moment, as a 10-year-old there, uh, it could have gone one of two ways for me, right? I, I could have either just been left sort of despondent uh, and, and isolated there on the cold, hard linoleum of Kmart, you know, uh, uh, off on the distance, and, and, and just been, been left there to just kind of chill, or... Or what actually happened, the good thing that actually happened was that I was embraced, right, and I was allowed in. And I think we all probably have experienced both of those two uh, types of of experience in our lives. It's pretty universal, right? I think we've all experienced at one point or another uh, the fear and the pain of uh, being isolated and left alone. And and some of us probably have really deep wounds from, from thinking back to a time and man, I really would have loved to have been uh, invited in and accepted, but I was, I was left isolated maybe at, at high school or, uh, you know, some, some group of people even at work or even with my family. You know, I've always kind of felt like the outsider and that's painful and it's, and it's sad and it hurts. But I think on the, on the other side, you know, I think a lot of us, if we dig deep enough in our, in our memory banks, we could all probably remember a time when somebody cool uh, has given us the time of day who, who has made a conscious decision to turn toward us and to embrace us in and to invite us into to something cool right and, and that experience is so um, just satisfying and exciting and, and it fills us with joy when we say, man, I, I remember a time when I have been given the time of day you know and I have been embraced in, and I think uh, you know we need to really recognize that that doesn't just occur uh, randomly that doesn't just occur. Uh, occasionally by just some random chance, but that it requires a conscious decision. It, re- it requires the conscious decision, decision of a person to say, I'm going to make a choice to turn toward you and to embrace, even though you don't have the status and you don't have the right to enjoy this thing, I want to draw you in and to allow you to be, to be a part of this, of this cool and good thing. I think this is especially true uh, for the people in this room who follow Jesus. Right, Because at the very center of what it means to follow Jesus is is to to recognize that I was on the outside of something and that I did not have the capacity to enter in to the good things and the beautiful things that life has to offer, but that somebody made a conscious decision to reach out to me. And that's what Paul communicates to us in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you want to get there, go ahead. It's Ephesians chapter 2. And it starts out on kind of a bleak note, right? It starts out kind of distant and far away from the good and the beautiful things. And so Paul starts out, Ephesians chapter two, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And so the Bible teaches that the God of the universe created humanity out of pure love. The reason why human beings exist is because God loves you. you. You exist because God loves you, God loves you because you exist and you were created in his image. But the Bible goes on to teach that He gave, out of his love, he gave us the free choice to either embrace him and to just uh, respond to his love and, and be obedient to him or to be distant from him and to choose autonomy, to do things our own way. And the Bible teaches that we have all done that, that because of uh, the, the inclinations of the human heart and the human mind, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Something about this disease of sin has infected each person that has ever lived. And so as a result of that, death entered the world. We weren't created to, to die and, and disease and death and, and things that are negative weren't ever a part uh, you know, of the script, but because of sin, that entered the, the equation. And Paul says that as for you, as a consequence of sin, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. He goes on to say uh, in verse 12, At that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel, from God's chosen people, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. The Bible teaches that sin entered the world. It it caused this separation. And we don't have the right to access the good and the beautiful things. We're separate from Christ, separate from Christ who is himself God. We were distant from the blessings of God, excluded from citizenship or participation in this royal family. We were foreigners. We were without hope and without God in the world. And I think especially important is to look at this word foreigners here because the Greek word uh, that is used here in in Ephesians uh, that is translated as foreigners comes from the, the word xenos, the Greek word xenos. And xenos in the Greek language literally means alien. So Paul is saying, man, as a consequence of your sin, you were separate, you were totally alienated and isolated, distant. You had no right to access the good and the beautiful things. You were excluded from citizenship, aliens, without hope, without God. You were Xenos, Xenos, foreigners, right? In other words, you know, you were not able. You you, you were here on the outside. There was a dividing line. There was a dividing line. Everything good and beautiful was there. It existed, but you were not able to access it because you were Xenos. You did not have the right to access the good and the beautiful things. And of course, that is a very bleak, a very bleak picture and it's sad and and it's terrifying. I think again for all of us all of us in this room who can recognize and remember a time when we felt like the outsider to say man I was completely on the outside I had no chance I was totally out of luck but fortunately uh, it doesn't stop there it doesn't stop there the Bible continues and even though we're in this bleak position the Bible goes on to say that but now in Christ Jesus you you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by the blood of Christ. And, and I'm here to tell you guys, you know, the name of this series is uh, is uncomfortable, right? And 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 Jesus is not uh, is not unaware of, of what it means to, to to be put into uncomfortable circumstances. Right, Our big statement is when the people of God become uncomfortable for the things of God, it unleashes the power of God and we join the unstoppable movement of God. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is not unfamiliar with discomfort. This verse right here, it says that we have been brought near, we have been drawn in to the family of God by the blood of Christ. And this is referring to the cross. This is referring to the reality that even though God in his love and in his perfection made humanity We made a conscious choice to to separate ourselves from him, but that he made the decision to to come to earth, to take on flesh, to dwell among us. The Bible says that Jesus moved into the neighborhood and he lived a perfect life. God in the flesh lived a perfect life and he died a a criminal's death on a cross. He experienced more pain, more, more suffering, physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual pain than we can even fathom and he did that as a as a conscious decision to turn toward those who were distant from him and draw and draw us in. The Bible says that on the cross Jesus dealt he he allowed all of sin somehow uh, mystically past present and future to be absorbed into himself so that God could definitively and decisively deal with sin in one place and one time. And Jesus put death to death on the cross. And when he rose again, he initiated this this new movement and we could be a part of it. Now in Christ and and as Paul is writing to the Ephesians, that's what he's saying. He's saying, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away and distant, you who were Zenos have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And he continues, consequently, as a result of this divine hospitality in light of the reality that you are beneficiaries of a profound divine hospitality. Consequently, you are no longer Xenos. You are no longer on the outside. You are no longer aliens. You are no longer isolated and left out in the cold to just suffer, separated from the things that are good and beautiful. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. You have been adopted. Fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You have become a part of his story. You have become a part of what he has to offer to enjoy the good and the beautiful blessings that he has out of a conscious decision that he has made to turn from uh, his, his comfort zone, to make himself uncomfortable, to come and to reach down and to, and to bring you into, into his experience, right? And I think that uh, that's really compelling. I think that that's fantastically compelling. That's, uh, that's what we call the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And the reality and the profound implications of this mean that we should, uh, as people who have been, get, been shown this hospitality, that means that we should do something in our lives, that we should live in certain ways. And so the Bible, in various other places, goes on to talk about the implications of what it means to be this people, to be this group of people who have been brought in. I think Hebrews uh, chapter 13 is a really good place that, that kind of lays out for us some things that we should do with The implications of this of this profound truth and this is what uh the author of hebrews says says keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters the god of the universe has come into human history in a definitive and decisive way to draw you to himself to be a part of a family and to be brothers and sisters and so you must keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters and the word here that is translated love one another is Philadelphia. Right? This is a Greek word. I'm sure a lot of you guys know the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. And, and, and what this word in the Greek really implies is, is almost a kind of a close befriending that, that would be equivalent to the relationship between groomsmen. I was actually at a wedding a couple days ago, and I saw, you know, the kind of the trust and the interaction between a group of the groomsmen there. And there is a tight a bond and a unity and a trust, right, to have that kind of brotherly affection and deference and experience with one another where you really know and trust and care for each other. And that's what the author of Hebrews says. He's like, you've got to keep on loving one another this way. You've got to keep on Philadelphia Show brotherly love and affection and deference to, to the family of God. you got to do that. Show brotherly love, Philadelphia. And he continues in an even deeper way. and even, He even pushes the envelope more than that. And he says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers in light of who God is. In light of the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done for you, making the first move in light of the reality that we are beneficiaries of a divine hospitality, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. And the word that's translated hospitality here is simply a combination of the first few letters of Philadelphia and the word xenos. And so we see the Bible telling us, do not forget to show brotherly love to the outsider. Do not forget to fill uh, Philoxenia, Philoxenia, hospitality, all right, brotherly love to the outsider. And we are given this uh, this charge, not because we are good enough people to do it, right? Not, I, I, don't, I don't show hospitality to the outsider because I'm just a really swell guy and I, and I just like I'm really great at being like lovey-dovey. No, I'm, I'm actually, the Bible would say that all of us, myself, this, the person on stage right now is, is the most... Uh, selfish and, and, and self-focused person. I, I am personally am the most inclined to just keep my inner, my inner little world and not turn toward the outsider. But the Bible would say, no man, you, you've been drawn in by a divine hospitality and, 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 it, and you must show a brotherly love to all those you interact with who are distant and on the outside who seem isolated and, and, and alienated and alone. And, and again, I can't emphasize enough that, that the reason why we do this, the reason why the people of God show hospitality to those on the outside, that the reason why we intentionally think about ways to draw those who are distant or maybe who are socially awkward or who feel like, man, maybe they don't, they don't like the same kind of things we do, they don't kind of uh, use the same kind of insider lingo as me or whatever, they don't like the same kind of stuff as I do. The reason why we Consciously and intentionally turn toward those on the outside is because Jesus has done that for us first. He has made the first move toward us consciously, intentionally. Like it says in Philippians chapter 2, we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. He made the first move, and we have to have the same kind of attitude to gaze upon what He's done, recognize the implications for that in our own lives. We have to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, though he existed as the supreme king of the universe, he had the highest possible status, the eternally existing king, creator, and sustainer of all things. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He made a conscious choice to turn from what he had he, he had everything he needed to, to be sustained and to, and to experience what he wanted to, but he made a conscious decision. He didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position. He was at the highest possible status, but he consciously chose to take the lowest status ever, and he humbled himself. He became low. He took on flesh, and he dwelt among us. He, he, he took the humble position of a slave, And was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Again, Jesus consciously decided. He embraced a humble position to reach out to the alien, to the isolated, to the alone, to the fearful, to draw them in. And Jesus embodies hospitality Jesus at the very core of his nature, at the very core of his being, is someone who in absolute love and grace and beauty created humanity to experience his love and even though we totally rejected him, he went out of his way as we were aliens, as we were Xenos and he reached out toward us. He embodies hospitality and he draws us in. That is his total nature, that is his total character. Everything about, about Jesus Uh, shows forth total hospitality. He spanned the universe. He spanned the universe to come draw us in. And so that has implications for us. It it implies certain things about how we should live, right? If he was willing to make himself that uncomfortable for us to do what he did in order to draw us in and to allow us to become part of what he was about, it means that we should be willing to, to take it to a pretty uncomfortable place, right? When the people of God become uncomfortable for the things of God, that is what unleashes the power of God and we join the unstoppable movement of God. When we recognize, man, Jesus did this first, I gotta, I gotta be a part of that. It, it means, what, what do I do? How, what do I do practically in, da- in my daily life, right? We all have jobs or, or we go to school or we have different uh, social circle, cir- circles or, or groups of friends or whatever and we all, we all are living our daily lives moment by moment. And so I think the question really needs to become, if we're genuinely trying to enjoy the the joy that that Jesus has for us, to be a conduit of his love and his grace, it means that we need to ask the question, practically speaking, how do we become uncomfortable for the expression of hospitality? What does it look like in my daily life to um, recognize the authority of Jesus and to be uncomfortable to express hospitality to the outsider? And, you know, as I was thinking about this this week... um, I came up with a, a few pretty simple questions to, that we can ask ourselves, right? A, a few questions that I think will help us as we interact with this idea. If we are being called into kind of stepping out of our comfort zone and showing uh, hospitality toward the outsider, I think it means asking these questions. Where am I an insider? You know, what, what social environments or, or social circles do I, where do, where do I run? Where, where there is somebody, uh, that, you know, where, where I'm kind of on the inside And then who's an outsider there? Who are the people that I can clearly think of that are distant and isolated? The people that I have trouble connecting with or that maybe feel a little shy or distant or cold or alone? Who's an outsider and what can I do? What steps can I take to draw them in? What steps can I take to draw them in? And so even for us here at Medina East, right, the people that call Medina East home, I think we have a responsibility to recognize that we are insiders, right? There, there's kind of a, a tight-knit group of people here at the church, and, and we, we, you know, we love our church, and we all hang out, and we see each other a lot, and, and there's sort of this insider thing that happens. And I think we need to recognize that, man, there's, there's a tendency to get kind of insular and focused on ourselves, and even out in the cafe, what can I do as somebody who's an insider here at Medina East to, to look the other way toward, toward the outsider, to, to leave what is comfortable and to see and to try to identify people that, that maybe are coming in hurting and broken and feeling isolated and alienated and alone? What can I do to, to consciously reach out to them? to ask them a question about how they got connected or, or to help them navigate through uh, Power Kids or whatever, you know, to, to, make, to make a move toward, toward them consciously and intentionally. Maybe you're in a life group. And, and maybe, you know, how it is with life groups, you, you, get, you get connected, you get your interior little group, you know, and you're tight and you've been together for a long time and, and, and somebody new shows up. And you kind of forget how to, how to ask questions that are engaging, right? But what can you do in that environment when, when the new person comes to your life group to, to make a move, to make yourself uncomfortable? Practically speaking, how do you become uncomfortable for the expression of hospitality in your life group? To say, man, you can have the comfortable seat, right? Let me, can I grab you another cup of coffee? Can I refill your coffee? You know, what, what can I do to, to make you feel comfortable and engaged, to, to, to make you feel like an honored guest here uh, in my life group? Or maybe even in your neighborhood, right? You, you might kind of be thinking even now about like the people uh, just in your surrounding environment in your neighborhood, and, and I would ask you to consider, man, who are the people uh, all around that that maybe feel isolated and alienated and alone? The, the you know the the, the person on the other side of the street that just kind of comes home and, and then goes inside. I, I I've been his neighbor for years and years, and I've never even had a conversation with him. What can I do? What what, what can I do to? To be willing to seem weird and vulnerable and take him a plate of cookies or something. You know, to say, man, you know, we've been, a na- we've been neighbors for years and, and I just have never introduced myself. Hey, well, I just wanted to let you know that I'm, that I'm here and if you need anything, you know, we live right across the street. Again, Jesus spanned the universe. He crossed, he crossed the, the greatest chasm to come and to draw those who are alien to himself. And I think that that should compel us. To, to recognize the value of crossing the street, to, to make ourselves uncomfortable and give our neighbor a plate of cookies or, or to cross the cafe uh, and make the new person feel uh, engaged and, and help them uh, navigate through the cafe. I think there's a really strong case for that in the Bible. And so what I'd like to do is just... Uh, in these last few minutes that we have here, just consider, if you can, get in your mind somebody in particular who you, who you can kind of think of in your sphere of influence, right, a place where you're an insider. Try to picture somebody in your mind who is an outsider, all right, or, or a situation, maybe somebody, a neighbor that feels distant from you, and, and kind of get their, get their name or get their face in your mind, all right? And so we're going to kind of complete this sentence with a few real quick practical biblical things uh, to do, all right? And so with... Whoever the person is, with Carl, I will not forget to show hospitality. Right In the environment where I live and in the circumstance where I see this person coming in for the first time and maybe seeming distant, I'm not going to forget to show hospitality. I'm going to intentionally and consciously make the first move. I can't forget. I have, to, I have to constantly remind myself of the fact that I was an alien and I was brought in by the love of Jesus. I cannot forget. Hebrews 13:2 uh, do not forget to show hospitality and and Romans 12:13 always be eager always be eager to show hospitality right Romans 12:13 it's like i have to make a plan and I have to be proactive. I can't just sit around and wait for Carl to come knocking on my door. I have to go out and be eager. I have to have something in my heart, something in my, in my mind that compels me because of the love that has been shown to me in Jesus to, to make the first move and to be eager to show hospitality to those that are distant and alienated and isolated, okay? And offer hospitality without grumbling, First Peter 4, 9. And this is the idea of kind of having a secret debate With yourself or kind of a grumbling secretly back in the distance and we have to we have to recognize that man if it is in fact true that Jesus is who he claims to be and has done what the bible claims that he has done then we are given every resource every emotional every spiritual resource to be grateful and to and to enjoy these moments of making ourselves uncomfortable to express hospitality to the outsider we can't do it with grumbling that's not the correct attitude and so I would challenge you to genuinely consider somebody this week in your life with a real person or a real situation that you can think of. Please uh, but plug in it and just think of someone and think, man, I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget, and I'm going to be eager to do this, and I'm going to do it without, without grumbling. And I just want to ask you guys to imagine what that could do. The amount of impact, if we look around the room, the amount of people that are in this room right now, man, there are, there are enough people in this room to do a significant amount of tremendous good, to, to be conduits of the love and the grace of God into our community, into our world, right? We hear so many stories here on staff of just a simple kind gesture that was expressed to somebody who felt outside and isolated and the fact that they were brought in, that somebody in, like, intentionally made a decision to reach out to them. It really changed the trajectory of their, of their life. I mean, I know that's true of me. I, I was a first-time guest here once at the Medina East Campus, and people, the people of this church intentionally were eager to show me hospitality, and they drew me in, and that, that made a significant impact, a, a tremendous and significant impact in my life, right, because of a kind gesture. And so I think all of us really could could, could do a tremendous amount. So please consider what it could look like for all of us to, to engage with this and to, and to express hospitality to the world and to, and to in which we live, to, to be nice, to be, wow, those Medina East people, they're nice. You know That would mean something. And that would show, I think that would really show the world what Jesus is about. So please imagine what that, what that could look like and, and embrace it and, and do something intentionally this week to, to reach out and to show hospitality to those on the outside. So I'm gonna invite the band up, uh, and as they do, again, I just wanna ask you guys to consider this thing that Tony said, it had such an, an impact on me, man. He said, there is no, there's no greater joy. There's no greater joy, there's no greater fulfillment in this life than being used by almighty God as a conduit of his love and his grace in the lives of other people, to, to have this others-centered willingness to go to the uncomfortable place, to draw people in, that is what Jesus is about. And we could be a part of that. There's no greater fulfillment in this life. And I'm just telling you, God wants that for you. God wants your joy. He wants, he wants to shower his joy on you and for you to experience what it means to participate with him in his uh, kindness and in His in the expression of his kindness and his, love and his love. God wants your joy, and I'm telling you, he wants that for you. He wants to do that. For you, he wants to do some stuff in you to take you to the uncomfortable place where you recognize the things that still need work in your heart. Even as you are doing the good things, you are being drawn deeper and deeper into an awareness of your reliance on him. And he wants to use you. He wants to work through you, Medina East. He wants to work. He genuinely desires your joy, and he wants to work through you to do ministry, to serve as a conduit of his love and his grace into the world in which we live. And so I'm asking you genuinely to, to consider the, the reality that we who are on the outside have been brought in by the precious blood of Jesus, and he calls us to a lifestyle that embraces that and allows that to flow out of us in the way that we interact with the outsider. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, I just want to come before you and thank you for who you are and what you do. And uh, God, I just ask that even in this moment, by the power of your spirit, that you make us all as a group of people aware of your heart for the outsider, Lord, that all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way, but Lord, you have poured out your iniquity on your son and, and you have drawn us, you, you, have, you have poured out the, the wrath that you have against sin onto Jesus on the cross and you draw us in. And I just I ask that you make us aware of that. Make us aware that, that it is only by your grace that we are accepted and loved. And, but that you, you show that to be true. Your, your nature, Lord, and your character is so others-centered, Father, that you would take on flesh, dwell among us, live a perfect life to draw us in. Thank you for that. Thank you that it's not about what we do. It's not about some kind of perfection that we have to achieve, but it's just solely your grace that, that makes us acceptable and that you do that on purpose. You make the first move. You reach out to us to draw us in. And I just ask that you make us aware of that. Even right now as we're about to sing and worship, God, please fill this place up with uh, an embrace of that truth. Help us to just enjoy the, tr- the unshakable truth in reality that you are the hospitable king and that we are recipients, we are beneficiaries of a divine hospitality. Thank you and praise you for drawing us in. Help us to recognize your love and what it means to to be people who are used as conduits of your love and your blessing uh, into the world in which we live. Help us to embrace this. God, change us. Make us more like you. Help us to see the world the way you see it. You are the king of the universe, and we praise you. And it is in your name, King Jesus, that we pray. Amen.